Hey y'all, hey y'all, hey y'all, what's up, what's up? Hey. This is the full set, kind of. This, <laughs> this is still going to be a lituation. My name, if y'all don't know it, is Didi Delgado. I'm your host ex with the most ex. And um, I am just going to let y'all know that this is going to be an amazing show. Um, I have, I feel like there is a movie that I want to quote from. It's just totally appropriate. Uh, the Color Purple, um, when Miss Sophia says, all my life I had to fight. Getting uh, here to, <laughs> getting here to, <laughs> Jumoke was like, don't do it. <laughs> Sim, don't do it. Okay. Just getting here was a little bit of a struggle, but I am very glad that we're here. And this mm -hmm. is the place that we do need to be. So um, thank y'all both for joining me. I would like to introduce you both but I have to make sure that my orientation on the phone is cool. Okay, so <laughs> the trip, the triple cripples, okay? I'm, I'm just so excited to have y'all here. Like, it goes beyond without saying that I was shocked when you said yes, that you would come on the show. I really was shocked. Because y'all are out here, I'm going to tell you why. Y'all are out here doing, we're going to get into what y'all are doing, but y'all are out here doing TEDx Talks, and I'm like, Ted don't even know my fucking name. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know if it's a nigga named Ted or not. So just just seeing y'all and knowing how intersectional you are, it your TEDx Talks changed my life. So with me today, I have my esteemed colleagues, Kim Oliver and Jumoke Abdullah, right? Yeah. All right, you're going to correct me. I feel it. I feel like you're just going to be like... <laughs> I know, it's Jumoke. 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 No, no, Jumoke. Mm -hmm. yeah. You don't want me to say it like that. Okay, all right. So thank you. <laughs> um, the Triple Cripples was created by two disabled Black women, four women, femmes, and non-binary POC, living with disabilities each and every day whose stories remain hidden from view. This dynamic duo, Kim Oliver and Jumoke Abdullah, were frustrated with the lack of representation and unaddressed discrimination faced by Black and non-Black people of color. It had a U in it, so I felt like I had to say it just like that. <laughs> Living with disabilities. They joined forces and created a platform to increase visibility and highlight the narratives of this invisible population within an invisible population. With topical videos, spotlight interviews, workshops, talks, and lectures on topics ranging from relationships to travel, this lovable duo, did y'all write this yourselves? This lovable duo has gained steady recognition for their insight and charisma. Jamoka is like, yes, we did write it ourselves. <laughs> the lovable duo hey. has gained steady recognition for their insight and charisma, featured on international platforms such as BBC. AJ Plus, Vogue, Metro, and consulted for their invaluable perspectives in both academic and corporate circles. Oxford University at the Bridge of Size, Cambridge University, Disability Leadership Institute, and WOW. Black disabled culture cognoscenti, Kim and Jumoke, are relentless in their pursuit to transform the outcomes of those here and yet to come. Y'all better follow them on Insta and Twitter at the Triple Cripples, Facebook and YouTube at the Triple Cripples. And y'all better put that paypal.me link backslash triple cripples. Y'all, how the fuck are you doing? <laughs> We're wonderful. I wonder, like, it, I just, I'm really honored that you 
wrote that uh, bio for us. It was uh, a fanfare of sorts. I love it. <laughs> Kim came here to misbehave. I just said, yeah. I'm, I'm here for the shits. I don't know why you're so against it. Since day <laughs> one, when Kim put on her glasses, Jamoka is like, I'm not doing this with either one of y'all today. <laughs> I am I need to take these glasses off. I I feel like it's ruining my um my brain. I'm just like, yeah, everything mm. for the church. Okay. This I've I've swapped out now. But they were cool, right? They were cool. They're still sunglasses cool. at night. Yes. And it's we discussed this. It's a look. It's a look. And and that whoever I want to say that was Chris Isaacs, but it's not. I feel like a lot of white people look like to me, but I feel like, you know, he stole that from a black person. So, I mean, whatever. It was probably a vibe before he created, he he'd Columbus did. Yeah, I, obviously. I, I don't, I don't know who did it first, but I'm, I felt so comfortable just now that I feel like it has to be somewhere in my ancestry and, you know, so, mm. yeah. So I have a question for you because I feel like um, this is not an interview. Like, let's just get that straight. Whatever. Like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know how to interview people. I laugh too much. I snort. Like, you know, it's just, it's not a good look or whatever. So Beady with the shits. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get into it. So I want to know how y'all met each other. Like, how did the two of you coalesce into like you're individuals, but y'all came together for this collective identity, right? And y'all so collective when you first joined the Zoom call, the fuck y'all was both named the triple cripples. Like, I mean, it's just too much for me, really. Do you know what? Do you want the truth? Because I can tell you the true story. Jamalkeh always lies to everyone when they ask. Look, um, Kim, I no, don't know. go ahead. The, like floor, the floor is yours. Like, you're doing it's almost like she's ashamed. I mean, I'm really no, surprised by the shadiness that just occurred on this show because Jumoke literally never said that those glasses belong to her. And yet, here you are. <laughs> oh, wow, Didi, is this what you're doing? <laughs> and here you are being like, this one always lies. <laughs> like, it's because, do you know why she couldn't I say I can't leave you out the there glasses? like that, Sam. Because she destroyed my no 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 no. If we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. She couldn't say anything because I've kept hers in good in good condition. Mm. She broke mine. Okay, so let's. Oh, you're anyway. a habitual glasses breaker. No, oh, yeah, what yeah. I will say, since Kim has a lot of energy, surprisingly, for after one a.m. London Thank time. Thank y'all so much. Oh my. When goodness. for me, we did a sunglasses exchange. So we just exchanged sunglasses so they became your sunglasses and the green ones became my sunglasses just because you were wearing them all the time doesn't mean they were suddenly yours to prepare, like. was you, there a transference no, no, of ownership I don't know why, no we, we need to do this I don't know why you're trying to forget a crowd talking about it. it's like oh yeah let's do an exchange that's what an exchange is that's what I think that's is. what Bryson Tiller was discussing it was an exchange oh I love that man and those unnecessary pauses <laughs> mm. Oh, I love that. So yeah, and I always met, miss it. Right? I think I've only been able to catch it once. Once mm. I was like, "Don't!" and I caught it. I lost my shit. Sorry, like <laughs> you're like, I did, it, I did it. I did it. <laughs> oh my god! I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to. I'm the trying to stay on track. To the truth so, and a lie. So both of y'all be represented. Okay, here's Kim with the lie. Go ahead, baby. No, I'm telling the truth. So I was, um, 
minding my business on my side mm-hmm. of the internet and um just i was doing these videos um to i don't know raise awareness about um my experience as a young black disabled person at the time i didn't know any um no one in my life really had proximity to any and so like there was a lot of can i swear a lot of bad stuff um that Why was can't you just say well, because I'm trying to learn how to articulate myself without using curse words. Um, I used to a lot and now it's just become so easy because um, I'm old enough to swear now. Um, and my parents don't watch any of the things that I do. So it's like, it's really easy. Um, but yeah, so a lot of stuff, there was a lot of stuff that people didn't understand and it was getting really frustrating because coming from me, this newly differently marginalized person, whom before had not been marginalized, therefore they were able to listen to. Suddenly they couldn't hear me. I was in a position that meant that all of the kind of gravitas that my words carried before just had disappeared into the ether. And it was frustrating. It also, and I, and I was just like, rah, I don't want, I'm sure there are other people in the world. It's very easy to think that you're the only person going through something, but I, I genuinely believe there are other people in the world who might be going through something similar. And so I wanted, I was thinking of things that would have helped me at the beginning. And so I was like, actually, let me just do, I was encouraged by someone that was um, placing themselves inside me from time to time. And um, they were like, yeah, you should really totally talk about this. And I was like, yeah, because they were tired of me talking to them about it. So I went on the internet. Rude. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was a way of kind of raising awareness, but also kind of an indirect shade-like thing towards folks in my life who weren't listening to me. So I was hoping they would accidentally find these videos and accidentally watch them and be like, oh, I was so wrong. I'm a jackass. Um, and Jamal Kerr somehow found me um, through that. She started liking all of these videos. And you know, when you, on Instagram, you just see when someone goes through your whole page and they're just liking every single thing like I just saw a whole load of those and I was like stalker much Um, I was gonna say it but I didn't want to be rude to Jumoke I'm so sorry but I'm gonna now say what the fuck I feel (laughs) (laughs) and the thing is the worst thing is because I wasn't internet savvy at all in that way I wasn't in social media like that like I had not seen that before and so I automatically was like stranger danger obviously um kindergarten cop (laughs) thank you (laughs) and then it came you know it got really real because then here I see the same person who stalked my almost entire page in my inbox like message requests and I was just like I don't know whether I should open this or not this could be a death threat I didn't realize I'd blow up so quickly I had like I feel like you're a Pisces but go ahead in it no and in it not that there's anything wrong with Pisces people there's nothing Um, wrong with Pisces people no um and so I read the message it was full of oh you're so wonderful I love you so much you're the most amazing person can I breathe your air all of this kind of stuff it was really weird um (laughs) and I was like you know what let me give this weirdo a chance and um so you're here we are like (laughs) oh my god I really feel like we should hold space for Jamoke because that was a lot to hear. There may have been some inaccuracies by the way that you're looking at the screen. 
is all I'm going to say. Well, what I will say in addition to the um, fable that Kim has just spun for us all. It sounded very romantic. um, I will say that the Triple Cripples is a brainchild of both myself and of Kim, but Mm. it would have never gotten started had I not reached out. That's all I have to say. That is a very anchoring statement. You know, don't let Kim play you. You gotta, you just gotta not let it happen ever again. Yeah, oh no, um, it will happen again. That's who she is. It'll happen. I was gonna do that anyway. I was gonna do that anyway because that's mm. how I am. You see her? That's how she is. So yeah. So watching your okay for so like I want to go back a little bit. First of all, thank you. Um, not just for appearing on the show, but. Um, the way that y'all just moved in relationship with me um, was really meaningful. And I'm trying not to get emotional because today has just been a shitty day overall. I haven't even checked in with y'all asking how you doing. COVID is a real thing. I feel like um, people on your side of the world kind of know that COVID is a real thing. And so they're being more serious than people over here on this side. And so like, I just want to check in with y'all because y'all really held space for me just now. My Zoom wasn't working. I'm having feelings because y'all Zoom is working. I I really don't know what's happening here. So how are y'all doing today? Like really, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. How are you, Jimmy? Uh, I'm okay. I've been surprisingly um, busy. I've been very busy, actually. But I'm okay. You know, we thank God for life. And um, tomorrow, well, today is a new day. So I'm always um, always excited about the potential a new day brings. And we're in a new month. So, yeah, let's... Happy let new month to you. Yes. Yeah, happy Happy new month. It's my birthday soon, Jamoka. I just wanted to remind you. See, I wasn't, because I was thinking of saying it, but then I was like, you know, this isn't for me to say. Like, if Kim wants them to know it's her birthday month, Kim will let them know. And Kim has let them know. What is the birthday day? 13th. Of September? Are you a Virgo? Yes. I would have never, I would have never. Oh, she is. A Virgo, capital V, bold, underline, everything. Like, so aggressive with it, too. But that's not there was why a lot of, There was a lot of <laughs> in that. <laughs> but that's not why we're here. Okay. So I want to ask you, um, so the thing that I want to say thank you for was not just the way that y'all worked through it, but something that you said in your TEDx talk really struck out to me is that the reason why you call yourself triple cripples is because not only are your intersections that you are Black women or Black femmes, but that you are disabled Mm -hmm. and also that um, Black is a separate, is is a togetherness, you know, when we talk about intersectionality, but Mm -hmm. when you're Black woman and disabled, those three things are really... really debilitating on their own. And I don't want to say it like that, but I I walk through the world as someone who lives with a silent disability. And so hearing you say that really touched me. And that's why when I heard it four days ago, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't wait to talk to y'all. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
you were a suggestion and then I heard you speak and I was like, this is what I needed. This is what a lot of people need. And so mm -hmm. I just want to thank you for doing the work. And like, how do you address systemic racism with gendered fucking normativity? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like how, <laughs> it was like, I don't know how the fuck we address it, but what, it, what work are y'all doing to address these issues? Cause I heard, you know, people be telling me on my Facebook all the time that, like, America is the only one with racism. You know, Britain, the capital of colonization, has no problem with racism. And I'm like, have y'all asked Black Brits? That? What's that mean? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? That is such... I, and, you know, it's... We always say this. The UK is so good at their PR. They're so mm -hmm. good. PR giants like no one else does pr that like the uk does because somehow they've managed to convince the rest of the world despite the rest of the world's experience of them that this place is some kind of utopia and kind of a moral um uh, benchmark for the rest of the world right and you know they've they're they're so progressive and 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 they're they know so much about how things should be and they actually have never done anything and oh my gosh look and point let look at america oh only in america it's terrible right. look at what they're doing look at their president look at the and they do this with every other nation on the world they're constantly pointing out pointing out and very rarely looking in and even the conversations that go on within the nation are gaslight central they're always like does racism exist in britain despite statistics backing the fact that racism exists in britain they'll be like they'll have full-on debates on tv about whether it exists not the extent to which it exists but whether it exists at all. And that's been going on I, as far as long as I've been alive, that's been going on the same type of conversation, right? And so what that does, even in the minds of the people who are living here, even those who are subject to racism day in and day out, right. that convinces you that perhaps it- It's all in your mind. Is, is not, it is, yeah, it's not what it is. So um, yes, there is racism. I mean, as you said, like this is the, this is the seat of colonialism. This is the place that are the kind of prime originators. I mean, America wouldn't be America if England hadn't gone to colonize it. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is, we're not. This I was is like, not, one of these things is not like the other things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> This is the this is the the birth the birth of that kind of um, stuff in a lot of ways. Yes, Europe was involved, of course, heavily, and we ignore that sometimes. The involvement of the rest of Europe in colonization as well and right. enslavement, especially. But <laughs> England still has colonies. So the island that my father's from is still a colony. Like there there are not. We can't. It's like. <laughs> We can't ignore facts right. and be like, oh, we live in an alternate universe right, where right. These things can coexist. You can't have colonies and not be imperialist. You can't have colonies and not have ra at least at least a racist past of some kind. Do you know what I mean? The whole idea of colonization is not one of joining a community that you enter and integrating. That's not what it is. So yes, it is, it is horrific over here. And our, our statistics, as we said, reflect that. Whether we're talking about healthcare, whether we're talking about education, whether we're right. talking about police brutality, all the things that we talk about of that racism affects housing. Are police brutal in London? 
Yes. So, but they're brutal in a different way. They're brutal once you get into the prison. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. There. So most of our deaths occur in police custody. They don't occur on the street. Like, and also our police don't carry guns. They have tasers. They have batons. They can debilitate you. But most of the things that go on don't go on in plain sight. Another feature of UK's great PR that's built into oh, that customizable racism. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's every system that it has, they've built in into all of the systems this amazing PR front because you, you see not only it has a double pronged effect, right? You see the, the police and it kind of automatically, police presence is heavy um, in London, especially. You, there are police everywhere. Like you go and there's a police van here, there's a police car here. Police are always around the place. So there's this police presence that's here. So there's always this sense of, do the right thing because the police are just around the corner. Brilliant, PR. This is brilliant and brilliant programming. I feel like it's Spike Lee may have worked on Britain's PR. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's actually it's really it's really clever if you think about it. But then that also gives people um, a feeling for those who rec who have been programmed to feel that the police provide safety. It gives people a sense that okay, there is safety here. But then for those who the police have been weaponized against it's a constant feeling of anxiety right and dread but what happens is and what i meant by the good pr is that when they are doing what they're doing um it's very rarely kind of in the theatrical we'll say by comparison ways that american police go on it's most of the stuff that and the ways in which they're oppressive and English English um, culture is very different. I'm not going to necessarily say, oh, uh, you know, um, call you or shout at you and call you all sorts of names. Right. I just might very much insist that you show me your license and uh, what are we doing here? So, for example, a typical traffic stop um, when you when you watch. Um, any of the ones that you see on the cop cameras, most of the time you see a typical, where no one dies, the ones that you see for Americans, the police will be outside of the car, they'll be requesting things, um, they'll be talking to them saying, okay, look, give me this, give me that, give me the other, and depending on what happens, something happens here, you'll have the police come up and pretend to be friends with you. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, so how you, one of them at least will come and pretend to be friends with you, one on one side, one on the other side. Will they and offer you tea and biscuit? <laughs> no, but they will be like, oh, you're right there. How are you doing? Is that racist? <laughs> you're like, no, 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 it wasn't. Um, I'm mad that you answered my fucking question. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I, it's, it's not racist at all. It's not possible because <laughs> it's British. It's English people. Um, it's not possible for us to be racist against them. Anyway, so... <laughs> So you might, the policeman will then lean into the car. So already your personal space is invaded. You're already intimidated, but you don't know. They'll lean right in. Their face next to your face. Oh, let's have a look. How are you doing, son? Use language that they think applies to your demographic. You right, son? Yes, what are you guys doing around? You chilling? Then the bad cop will come around the other side and be like, oh, I know your sort, but, and start kind of antagonizing you. So you're automatically thinking that this person 
who's actually intimidating you by invading your space and requesting that you pass them information is the good guy, despite the fact that they're violating you already. Right. doesn't matter if there are children in the car, it doesn't matter. And so it, it, that kind of thing occurs. And because they're not using um, inflammatory language, one might think, oh, they're being um, cordial, uh, but it's the tone. Here, it's about tone. It's about choice of words. It's about the knowledge of the what is meant behind the word. I know your sort means I know your sort, as in you particular, your black skin and what that carries and what that means. But I'm not gonna say, I know what people like you, black people do. I'm gonna say, oh, I know what your sort are like. And when I say, oh, when you say it's racist, oh no, mate, I've got black friends. Some of the men, mate, on, men on the force are black. Like, what are right. you talking about? Like, this right. is England, mate. Like, you've got a chip on your shoulder. And then the reverse psychology. But then if you resist, I'm not gonna like batten you on the side of the road necessarily. What I might do is maybe aggressively take you into police custody, but all of the beating and bruises and suffocation is gonna happen in the back of that police van or gonna happen at the, at the um, actual station. That isn't gonna happen in the view of all of these cameras. That isn't gonna happen in a place where lots of people are around and could cause a disturbance. Like it's proper gang stuff that they, they operate like an actual mob. They don't operate like right. <laughs> it's, it's a very, and so what you'll see is that a lot of people will see maybe 10 policemen can come for one person here and people now think it's normal. And they'll, they, you can see 10 policemen around like maybe two or three teenage boys. They've been desensitized against They've been them. desensitized because they've been stopping children and searching them since they were in primary school. When I was in primary school, they used to stop and search little young black boys all the time. You'd see these little primary school children right. being questioned by police. And so now it's just, we're so used to it. You see it all the time, you see a black and you think, oh, probably done something because that's if you see police it must be because someone's wrong right yeah. so it's just it's just different the way it happens and I think because of that and the way it doesn't get reported here we haven't got as big a black population and so the way black news gets disseminated we're just is totally 3% different. Uh, black people over here in the UK and half of that three percent is in London that's yeah. what I was gonna say yeah because yeah. when I went to Oxford they were like other than the person that hosted us there were no other black people in Oxford. It's it's just yeah, it's a wild, <laughs> and it's it it makes you kind of think about how it's possible. So the statistics, unfortunately, I wish I'd known we were talk we talk about this. No, but the we don't even like, talk about this because I'd rather know like what does it feel like as like black women who are who are living with disabilities like how are you policed like you know what i'm saying like it is it is it the ableism that's worse than actual like the you know what i'm saying like what is it jimmy i feel like i've been in radio and i want you to be able to express yourself your cute little hood beautiful um, well uh, this is something that outside of the triple cripples that I've talked about before, um, and I've written about it as well. So for me, um, being disabled, um, while obviously still being black, my disability is um, oftentimes what is noticed first of all. So I mobilize using um, 
a leg brace on my left leg and um, two, two crutches. So like when you look at me and I'm short as well. So when you look at me, I'm, I'm not the go-to target for, um, for the police. I, I can't run. And most importantly, I look like I can't run because optics are everything. Mm. So it, when I was growing up in my childhood, like I'd heard other people talking about what Kim had described, but I'd never felt it. Like I'd never experienced that so often because I have terrible sense of direction. Like if I was lost, I would go to the nearest police officer be like, hey, I have no idea where the flip I am. Like, can you point me? Y'all are just so anti-cursing, but go ahead. This is so anti-what? I said, y'all are just so anti-cursing, but go ahead. No, it's just, where the flip I am. <laughs> Where the flip I am. But it's just, um, for me, it was just, it was a case of, I, there was, for me back then, there was no fear associated with approaching a police officer. And I did the same in the US as well. It's like, I'm in New York for the very first time. I don't know where XYZ place is. Can you point me in the right direction? And they were always very nice to me because right. of the way that I looked. It's like, oh yeah, you know, like, don't worry about it, sweetheart. It's right over here, do this, do that. It's like, oh, if you want, like, I can help you even further. Like, people will go, um, police would go out of their way. Now, this isn't to say that, you know, I was stopping police here, there, everywhere. But it was, for me, there was never any fear associated um, with the presence of a police officer. And a lot of that is um, due to the way that I look because black skin, I was just kind of like, oh, you know, there's trouble, there's danger, there's violence, aggression, whatever. But in my specific packaging, like my disability immediately like annihilates anything like that. Um, I mean, unless I'm stood next to a disabled, pretty white blonde woman, then, you know, maybe the odds right. kind of flip less on my face. Get over here, nigger. Like, I mean, like it just, it just changes the <laughs> dynamic. But <laughs> it's just, um, so for me, it wasn't until um, I was older, because I'd heard people talking about it, but I couldn't relate. It wasn't until I was older and um, watching the news more and all the names and all the hashtags kept popping up, kept popping up, kept popping up. And there was obviously one thing that was uniting all of them. And um, as a disabled Black woman, let's say, like outside of... Um, police, police presence, and whatever have you. Um, I will say that my disability is noticed um, often a lot more. People just ask like, oh, what happened to you? What happened to your leg? What? I mean, even now in the age of our Lord coronavirus, um, like I was walking towards home and this woman, she had um, a mask on. And she took down the mask to ask me if I had a fracture. I was like, You were like, bitch, put your mask back up. Mm -mm. Like, it was like... just so, and, but it's because people see the disability first. And I don't, I, I, I seem, I don't seem threatening. I seem like the kind of person, and I have the kind of faces like, oh, she'll talk to me. Like strangers, like just roll up on me and just start a full on conversation, right. even though I'm like, no, please don't do that. But because of the way that I was brought up, like if somebody asked me, how are you? Even though I don't actually care and I don't want to know, I will also ask you how you are. And if you can, like, you have to get us out of this conversation because I won't be the one to end it. And I hate that, but I can't stop. Um, What's your sign? My sign, uh, baby girl's a Capricorn. 
Really? I would have thought you was a Scorpio. You, I, you got a lot of Scorpio in your chart. I feel it. Really? Okay. Well, I'm going to have to like, do I feel counting, it. I suppose. I feel but, it. Yeah. So it's just, for me, people, I, I will say, oftentimes my blackness is the last thing that's noticed mm. unless I'm in a group of black people. And even then that also happens. It's just kind of like, what happened to your leg? Like the disability is always the right. focus. It's always the thing that pulls people in and starts the conversation, which is unfortunate. But Yeah. And this is the good thing about Jay and I being around each other is because it's the complete opposite for me. Like it, and, and also I think my contrasting experiences. So to go back to what Jamoke was saying, like I grew up knowing that the police were a danger, knowing that they were not to be trusted, knowing that I couldn't rely on them, knowing that I couldn't trust them, knowing that if they turned up, like nothing good was going to come out of it for anyone yeah. based on the environment that I grew up in based on the things that I'd seen happen. Like I lived in an area where young people were getting snatched off, especially um, off the street and being put in mental institutions after the police had accused them of resisting arrest for no reason. Like you're coming to arrest someone for no reason. They don't know why you're arresting them. They're like, no, I don't want to be arrested. Then you're like, oh, resisting arrest. You must have mental right. health issues, locking right. them up pumping them full of drugs and then releasing them back into the community or keeping them locked up forever. So, and that's a real thing that was going on in London, like, and, and probably in other places as well, but I know that was going on in my area in North London. So I had grown up knowing that. And also because I was quite tall <laughs> and big, I, before I grew breasts, <laughs> I would get misgendered a lot. Like people would be like, they would think I was a dude. So, or they'd call me a dude. I don't know if they thought I was a dude, but they, they, the default was to refer to me the way they'd refer to men. Right. And so there was a part of me that was always aware that if I got mis, um, misgendered I guess or, mis or someone misunderstood what it was that I looked like I could end up like some of the boys I saw getting held mm. up against the walls when I was on my way home from school uh, you know and those kinds of things and also knowing that you know that wasn't um, a decent thing and also looking at how black people not only were treated but how they were viewed how they're portrayed in the news all the time and how those portrayals seem to apply to everyone including right. my father um, even though my father was nothing like the people they described, they'd give descriptions on TV like, ah, oh, um, a woman was mugged the other day by black man, height five nine to six two, like wearing very broad. brown coat. Like, yeah, it's just- <laughs> It's very broad. What that does in your mind is go, every black man like this that's literally what it is there's five nine five ten five eleven six one six foot like i mean there's so much and most people don't know what someone's height is to look at them so it's like oh that nigga over there is six foot so in and that programs not just your mind but the minds of everyone around you including the people who you look like right um, so I knew that when I became disabled, because I became disabled later in life, unlike Jim O'Care, like the kinds of, I'd, I had been experiencing racism, so I already knew what that was, right? I'd, and even I used to be in music and we sometimes on tour, like when you go places like to different countries, you experience 
racismo, you know? And it's <laughs> like, wow. And in, in more overt ways than you'd ever experienced in England in some ways, but in England I'd experienced overt racism as well directly personally. So I already, my, my <laughs> blackness um, for the most part was, for me at least in my personal life, was in front of my womanhood. I didn't get to be a woman first. I was black first and then womanhood might have come afterwards depending on the situation, right? When I became disabled, my blackness was still at the front, but it was almost like the disability changed the nature of my blackness. So whereas before my blackness, as Jamoke was saying, it was this kind of threatening because I'm quite tall. I'm like six foot one. My brother the Six foot one, son. Anyway, so my brothers, my brothers, like don't necessarily agree, but the that whole being tall and big thing was some was a huge part of my identity and a huge part of how I moved through the world. And knowing that people thought that it was intimidating and knowing that people thought it was scary and knowing that people sometimes before they realized as a woman crossed over the road because they didn't want to walk on the same side of the road as me because I was a threat, all of a sudden that was gone, right? And here I am sitting in a chair and it's almost like people were like, aha, now I don't need to be afraid of this big black scary thing. They are disempowered. So now yeah. I it's feel like powerful. the threat has been neutralized by yeah. the disability. Yes. So I feel powerful. So now I'm above you. So now all the racism that I wanted to direct at you when you were standing up, but I was scared that you might deck me. Oh, you're sitting down. You're a sitting duck, mate. Like I can really go to town. And also because I, I know how the disabled community are viewed over here and they're not valued. I know that no one is going to come to your aid. No one cares enough to even intervene. No one cares enough to stop this from happening. So not only are you disabled, but you're also black. No one likes you anyway. So I'm, it's almost like a free pass for me to do and say and act how I want. And that's literally what I started experiencing. So, and it was very difficult to understand at first because it's like, what is this? I, why can't you hear me when I speak? Oh, but you're going to talk at me. And then you're going to say all of these things that you would never say to someone about who they are supposed to be or what they're supposed to be. Like, uh, listen, there are so many things that there are so many examples I have that now when I think about them, I'm like, wow, I should be writing so many letters and suing so many departments, especially in the NHS, um, based on some of the things that I've been through with them at least. And it's just, it's an interesting Thing. And so comparing Jamoke and I's experiences are quite interesting because, as she said, she moves through the world in a different way. Even though we're both disabled, I still move through the world in a different way. I'm bigger, I'm darker than her, I'm taller than her, I'm fatter than her. Like, so the way in which people perceive my disability is completely different. A lot of the time, if you're fat and you're in a wheelchair, people are like, oh, you fucking gave up. Like, you just, you just eat too much. You're in a wheelchair because you're fat. Like, <laughs> some of that is what, is what happens. And there's this, and also because of my size and black women in general have been viewed in, have been masculinized, right? And so, and it's, if we even talk about like what happened during slavery in terms of, um, them being able to do the same work that men were doing that then became demonized, right? They, so they were like, oh, let's try and make that a bad thing. And so that carries over. And then they, 
try and make it out like we don't feel pain, that we're just these kind of animalistic things that love to fuck everyone, even though we're getting raped and all this kind of stuff. And all of those things get tied into my presentation, right? And so here I am, this big black dark-skinned woman who's also supposed to be your mother, but also supposed to be the object for your weird sexual fantasies. Um, and I'm here and also I'm this disempowered bear, right? So there is so much that goes on when people interact with me and so much um, disregarding of the fact that I could possibly have needs, that I could possibly be delicate and need protecting, um, that I could possibly experience pain. None of that exists in the space that I live in because of my presentation, even though I'm in a wheelchair which is not necessarily the same for my white counterparts um, all the time. Maybe if they're big, sometimes there are certain attitudes towards them being fat. But in terms of the other stuff that goes with it, that comes with it because I'm a black woman, not because just because I'm black, but because I'm a black woman, they will never experience that. And in some ways, sometimes um, some of those things Jamal Kerr won't experience just because she's so small and the, we, that, that it goes hand in hand with the infantilization of disabled people, infantilization and your small. So I get to pretend that there is, um, that I am being kind, that I'm being gentle, that I'm looking after you. Do you need help with that? Can I help you? And then I get to feel good, even though I don't treat black infants with that love and care, right? Kim breaking it all the way down for the folks. We can't oh, hear you, Dee Dee. I think you might be on mute. Can't hear you. Although it doesn't show that you're on mute. Try again. Oh, oh wow, that oh, is yeah. unfortunate. Um, let me. Wow. And because the thing is, we're recording. Is on it your... me? It's not me. It's. No. Hold on, you're just really quiet, Didi. Have you turned something down? Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, yes. perfect. Okay, so well, weird. this entire thing is just, mm. So my team just sent me, I'm gonna pop a Brussels sprout in my mouth because I'm fucking hungry. Okay. My team just sent me, and I sent it to y'all, that Zoom apparently decided that today, so Jamoka was right, that the powers that be that working against us, really. They didn't want us to have this conversation, but I'm gonna do the best I can to promote this episode so so hard. Like, I'm gonna go hard <laughs> in the paint. What I was gonna say, well, I went to my settings and there's something that says automatically adjust the microphone. Fuck that shit. We just took it off, right? Yeah. And I'm, I, I raised it up. So growing up, first of all, the fact that the, both of you are doing this labor as dark skin um, women is beyond me, so thank you. Um, growing up, I was never allowed to participate in school activities, any kind of physical activities. I was born with um, third degree atrioventricular block, which is, you know, if you know about your heart or whatever, I'm missing yeah. a heart valve. Um, yeah. So I was born, um, you know, doctors would say she has a deformity, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You can't do anything. Like, you know, I was told I wouldn't be able to have sex, that I couldn't ride a roller coaster. Um, 
and it really comes down to blackness because they would never tell a white child that, you know, um, <laughs> at all. And I'm having a lot of sex and um, I don't like roller coasters. I was going to ask, but I didn't want to be in a, so. Also, on top of that, if the disability within the white child meant that they couldn't or shouldn't do those things, they would go, as you like to put it, harder in the paint to try and make sure that they could live a quote unquote normal life than they would for you. It's like, oh, this is just what happens to you. It's like, but for you, I will move. No one gave a fuck about me. Ada. No one gave a fuck about me so much. I can't believe I'm eating these dope ass Brussels sprouts. Thank you, Ada. No one gave a fuck about me so much so that the doctors had been telling my mother that not to expect a lot of life, <laughs> not to expect me to live longer than 20 years old. Um, none of this. And it turned out, like, you know, we lived in Pensacola, Florida, which is super fucking Republican state, like, you know. And it turned out that when we moved back to Boston, that the doctors there were like, you need, um, you're very, your heartbeat is like 44 beats per minute. That's like almost dead. Like, you know, this whole entire time, like, you could have been living a full life if you would just have the surgery. And so anyways, I basically am bionic woman now or whatever. I am walking around fully dependent on a pacemaker, you know, and, you know, I think about how that shows up with fat phobia, you know, like a lot of what you just said, Kim, resonates with me. And a lot of what Jamoke was saying too is also still in it, right? Because when I was sick, you know, and people knew you can't do anything, like, you know, you're going to burst the other three heart vessels. Like people did so much shit for me, but now that I have the pacemaker, Niggas is like, do it yourself and you're fat because <laughs> you eat too much or you do this or you do that. And I'm just like, wow, you know, I have lymphedema. Like, you know, I have a lot of debilitating um, medical conditions that don't, no cure for them, just gonna be what they are. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and so hearing y'all talk about like being black femmes and being policed, not only by the actual police, but how people show up in your lives, right? And you mentioned COVID. How is COVID complicating things for you? Or is it, do you feel like you fly under the radar because people are not really making allowances for disabled people to thrive anyways? Um, I will say, um, like when things, at least over here, started being taken seriously, I will say, because it had already been, people have been made aware of it in China the, the previous year in 2019, it was posited as something that was like a really bad flu, like a really, really bad cold. Like it will knock you off your feet um, for however long, but you'll get over it. And right. the way that they were trying to reassure the, the general population was that it'll only affect those that are vulnerable Immuno, anyway, vulnerable being disabled, those that have underlying health conditions, um, the elderly, and people that are generally seen as weaker and more vulnerable. And it, I mean, first of all, that's terrible on the face of it, but what it created as well, and they also mentioned the age a lot, talking about how it would specifically, you know, affect older people more so, is that it created um, an arrogance. And it seemed to be like a global arrogance as well, where it's just kind of like, okay, we'll just lock up the um, over 65s, but we can just um, go along right. with our lives and, you know, 
if the Rona happens to catch you, you'll just deal with it with your super immune system and your young, fit, 20, 30, 40 something year old body, and you will be fine. And a lot of people, and quality of life is something that's um, always mentioned whenever talking about people that are disabled. It's like, oh, they can't do this, they can't do that their quality of life will be uh, very much diminished. Whereas, you know, like if we actually look at it, you know, qualitatively, some disabled people are able to have a much better quality of life than somebody that might not have a disability or might not have an obvious disability. But there's this kind of like label and stigma associated with it where if, and for disabled people with the case of DNR, so do not resuscitate um, orders, um, there was a fear that not only was there the fear of catching um, COVID and dying or catching COVID and needing medical attention and the medical, uh, medical attention not being given to you because they have deemed it not worthy to save your life. Like I'm not going to essentially waste medical resources, time, effort, energy, money, whatever on you where I could actually be helping and saving this healthy person. So that was something that was really quite um, difficult to, right. to handle and grasp with and for a very, very, very long time. Like I'd, um, like many people, like when the lockdown happened, because it happened, I believe, late March, March 29th, thereabouts, and everything, like, well, like it shut down, like nobody was on the streets, and you haven't been in London before, like it's busy, there's always somebody around, regardless of the time. And then people were just starting to get cabin fever. But right. now they were experiencing life the way um, quite a number of disabled, disabled people had, especially, yeah, especially those that um, had conditions that meant that they were more immunocompromised than, you know, the next person. So I have to be very careful. I've always been extra careful about washing my hands, about who comes into my house, about you taking off your shoes, about X, Y, and Z, all of these things right. were being factored in. And I wasn't able to go out and see my friends and my family because the world has been so structured in a way that it's been designed so I'm locked away so that you won't have to see the poor cripple, right? Um, so yeah, in that sense, it was, it was really difficult to see the government, I will, I will say it wasn't difficult for me as a black person because you know they don't give a shit anyway. Like that's just something you're aware of. But for a lot of people and a lot of um, white disabled people, um, white older people, they're like, oh, you don't give a fuck like that. And it's like, <laughs> yes, welcome. Where have you been? Um, in white supremacy land. But, um, and, they, and then they yeah. still won't fucking join your cause. <laughs> No, no, absolutely not. No, no, they would sooner die. And then I'm like, go ahead. But anyway, yes. like, I'm, I'm not trying to save you. But um, yeah, it was, it was all very interesting. And it still all is very interesting because um, whiteness will do what it needs to do to preserve itself. Let's just say that. It's very refreshing to hear um, Black women come on the show and, and describe whiteness and talk about it very candidly I appreciate it I want to talk yeah. about food because um whiteness I've been dealing with that all day and I'm extremely hungry as you can see so I know that on your website both of you discuss food immensely so what is the deal who is the better cook 
<laughs> what was that? What did I stumble across? What I will say is okay. I can cook to feed myself and others if need be. I whether they find it or delicious, delicious or not, that's their own problem. But I was born to be catered for. So I'm not trying to cook. I'm not trying to clean. Once I get the ring, I'll tell you how I got it. Um, exactly. Bling, bling. Um, I love food. I love eating. I'm a gourmand. I gain like great, great, great pleasure from food. I'll be eating a meal and thinking about my next one, planning it, looking at menus, like food, apart from traveling, like food is my life. Like the best situation for me is to be eating abroad like that is like perfection for me um i just want somebody to cook for me like whoever's watching this and they happen to be a chef like holler man because i'm trying to eat i'm trying to be <laughs> trying, to eat. I'm trying to be like k cater to you but you cater to me mm -hmm. like yeah i just ugh, i don't want to work so yeah that's my feelings on that and it's not now i understand yeah. this it was a sheer look of terror that's what that was i was no i just i had to get I there was... before kim started talking i was like uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> let me set the narrative now <laughs> yeah you know lay their foundation nice mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> go ahead kim it's your turn now no i don't i, I mean no. i don't i i'm a vegan that's oh. about it when it comes to like my food choices i talk about food only when i'm trying to learn new recipes maybe or when i want to i fancy something or when i'm talking about the nutritional benefits of something or um what i can what i don't consider food that's when i maybe i talk about it but i'm not really i think i find food an interesting cultural phenomena um, our relationships to it, how they relate to our emotions, how they um, shape some of our social circles and situations right. we find ourselves in, um, how they affect our brain chemistry, all of those things. I find that all very fascinating, but I think even ever more fascinating, especially since becoming a vegan, like is people's, um, how people's attitudes um, are, okay i i don't want to especially when it comes to talking about being plant-based or whatever like people conflate black folks who are plant-based with white folks who are plant-based it's not the same thing i think it's a little different it's very different um there is it's a it's a completely different world in the sense that um the way in which i think we experience being plant-based is a bit different and also I think y'all are also, if, I think black vegans are less classist than white vegans. That's because we don't often get to be as classist. Like even we're still black. Like I think, and that's what we say, black is one of those things, just like disability that kind of cuts across everything. We're still black, right? And I think also the idea of, it, when people are talking about veganism, a lot of um, white vegans talk about ethical veganism and, you know, the liberation of animals wonderful black liberation and animal liberation are tied together mm. um so if you're for the liberation of animals and you're not for the liberation of black and indigenous people then you're not for the liberation of anything really and so i think that's the thing that makes um black 
vegans quite different is that is that understanding um that if that if that is your praxis that that is if if the reason why you're a vegan is to do with animal liberation is to do with kind of environmental liberation all of that that understanding that our liberation is tied in that it's actually all connected um and that and also the understanding of the things that prevent people from being able to access this way of eating right, as well right. we're often more aware of it than people who are like i went to a pizza conference and what they're doing to the chickens the pea like protein completely... cheese on my tacos was everything <laughs> i i'll stop no 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 no, no, no it's true like Maybe listen i white it's... vegans really scare me so whenever i will i'll, yeah. I'll be honest when i've i've heard um, one of my very dear friends, Angela Healer, is a black vegan, and I've always been like, you know, <laughs> like, but it's because this association with how whiteness is so pervasive that you're right, that black folks don't even get the opportunity to engage. No, in, you know? no. And also, we're not at the forefront of any of the conversations, really. I think mm -hmm. there's only one person that I know really who's at, like, Christopher Sebastian is really a cool person to kind of follow and listen to in terms of his, um, perspective and analysis about um, veganism from a black perspective. Um, and I think that's one of the issues, like whiteness ruins everything, right? Veganism isn't something they invented. This is something that has existed in lots of different cultures around the world being plant-based. Some people are seasonally plant-based. Some people are just the traditionally plant-based. Like this is something that has always existed. And what happens is that and this is the thing that bothers me a lot about the kind of white consciousness surrounding veganism. I'm going to say this and then I'll stop. Is the fact that people had their own ways of eating. You've come along, colonized people, been like, no, meat, 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 dairy, 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 eat it, eat it, have it. You've done that. And now after you've infiltrated the whole thing that and brainwashed like. people for centuries. Yeah, it is. That's literally what they've done. Yeah, yeah. it is. I love it. Oh my God. If you think about all of the kind of the programming, at one point they were trying to tell you that if you drink milk, that's going to add calcium to your bones. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah, know yeah, scientifically that, that's not true. And I learned about Thank that you. in the documentary. It's, right. it's, I'm saying there's so much propaganda surrounding me because these men wanted to make money right so you've done this whole thing you've gone into places colonized places and also convinced them that meat is associated with power it's associated with wealth and so in order to express your wealth the more meat you have the more wealth you have and all this kind of what wealth you have is and, and all of this kind of stuff you've gone and done that and now you've gone maybe to thailand for two weeks and you've gone oh tofu and you've come back on this, maybe you played with some little monkeys on when you're going on your mountain trek or whatever. And now you're like, oh my God, they have little souls. And you come back what? and now you're like, why aren't you people looking after the chickens the way we look after and kiss our dogs? I don't understand. Even though two weeks ago you were eating chicken as well. Right. And you've made it like a moral thing, despite the fact that this is something that you've, you have created these conditions, right. but now you're saying that the conditions you've created are wrong. That's, that's the bit that I don't get. And then also penalizing people who don't have access to the conditions that you want to force everyone to have without actually creating conditions for them to be able to have them. Like that is, it's such, it's such a weird, 
Well, no, it's not weird. It's white. It's not That's weird. Yeah, do. like That's it's done on purpose. Everything. They are the moral yeah. arbiters of everything. Yeah, and 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 that's that's the thing that's for me that is the biggest issue with it. And and you could say on on a, on a fundamental level, it's like, oh no, but we're trying to make the world a better place. Okay, but let's start from where we are. Make the world a better place for the people who are in the world that you're in, that you're in, right? Let's. There are there are so many things that you can do for communities um, in your vicinity. Right. that don't include comparing enslavement to battery farming. Like there are lots of different ways in which we can tackle current social issues. And it's like the same way you're going hard in the paint for um, animals that are being held in captivity is the same way we should be looking at the prison industrial complex. Yeah. Like that is also people in captivity if you're saying that there's if we're not doing speciesism and we're saying that everyone is equal that all creatures are equal then that also needs to be your concern don't talk to me about any animals if you're not talking to me about the things that are also of equal concern that is my issue that is my problem but i will stop because i could go on forever i before you stop going on forever i i was cursed out um uh, two years ago i'll never forget it because i wanted to visit the races in saratoga which is this very frou-frou well-to-do place in upstate New York or whatever, right? And I said well-to-do because I was really hoping that y'all would understand my English. Thank you. I and know so, thank you. Okay. We understand you, don't worry. Okay, I just, I'm trying a little bit. Okay, thank you. I went to London one time, okay? So, <laughs> so anyway, well to do, my well-to-do, uh, whatever, I'm, so the lady was like, you know, I said I wanted to go and wear like a derby hat and this, that, and the third. And she was like, but what about the horses? And I was like, bitch, what about the fucking people who ride the horses? You don't give a fuck about them immigrant lives. You don't give a fuck about black lives. Don't talk to me about no horse life. Um, and everybody hated me because I said that. It's fine. I get dragged all the time. What I wanted to talk with you about was the connection between spirituality. And I know that Jumoke is, um, you are Nigerian born? Uh, yeah, I'm Nigerian Yoruba. Yoruba. Thank you. Thank you. So I just found out that I'm 29% Nigerian. Um, wow. I, gang, gang. Um, and it's so funny because my whole life people have assumed that I was either Dominican or Haitian. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was just like, I don't know where I come from. It's fine. Um, so there's that. But um, I just did the ancestry thing and it's 27%, sorry, 29%. But anyways, I bring it up because I, I watched a documentary by this fine ass black man. Don't know if you know him. His name is Jaimon Henson, and he He's was... the actor, model guy, right? Or He's all the things. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> he played in Amistad, and I don't even know what other movie. But he did, he wrote and directed and then starred in this documentary called Roots to Heaven. And his, his origin is Benin, and he was talking about the Ifa tradition and how um, you know, a lot of people shit on African traditional religions, but, um, you know, as far as like the sacrifices are concerned, but that the U.S. is the largest sacrificer of animals, you know, and I had never, like, I felt like Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, mind blown, like, I had never mm -hmm. even considered how much um, people who practice ATRs are definitely demonized, especially in Western culture, um, because, you know, it's not Christian or it's not Muslim or if it's not mm -hmm. one of the Abrahamic religions or whatever. But 
And yet we are, you know, you think about halal, you think about um, kosher, kosher, thank you. And you think about even the production of meat in the US and how much we waste, you know, um, whereas that doesn't happen. Um, it, everything is a celebration for that animal. The animal is raised as one of the family. And also if the animal is sacrificed, it's not just for this, the sacrifice, it's also for, I don't know. So I don't even know if I landed there, but I just been thinking about meat a lot. I'm still going to eat it, but also I think about it a lot just because I'm initiated. So, um, have, do y'all have thoughts about that? Are y'all of different religions are, you know, what's going on with that? Can I just, um, say that it's about what you just said about you're still going to eat meat. It's, I think what's most important is being conscious of your consumption because it's not and how what you're taking into your body and how you're taking it into your body and also that idea of waste am i taking what i need from the planet right. am i taking more than i need am i giving back to the planet and and i think that's that is where people should be coming from not oh don't eat any meat no it's more like okay Am I being intentional? Am I thinking about the process? Am I grateful for this thing that has given its life for me to sustain myself? Um, am I, am I, is this from indulgence? Is this avarice? Is this, and just being conscious of those things. And it's, yeah, you, it is a spiritual thing. Look, life energy, like never dies, right? So when something gives its life, its energy becomes part of your energy, right? right. That's, that's how, that's how energy works, right? And so it's just being, I think, being conscious about those things. And, you know, not all of us have access to um, our own personal mini farm where we can make sure that the animals live a good life so their spirit is good so the energy in them is good before not we consume it, right? It. Not all of us have access to that. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's what we can do is when we are kind of directly interacting with the food that we eat. And it sounds really airy-fairy and kind of, fanciful but just kind of being conscious when we are kind of consuming creatures if that's what we are deciding to do um obviously i would be like yeah eventually maybe don't but if you're going to like it's just i feel like i'm sliding around there but I, I think um yeah my concern is that i'm also a, a bariatric patient um so yeah. even in my fatness i'm still fat i'm 285 pounds um but i'm mm. a bariatric patient and so protein consumption is such a big thing for me because I need mm -hmm. so much of it. So it's like, mm -hmm. do I drink liquid for the rest of my life or do I eat meat? Like, you know, so. No, I mean, I, yes. I mean, there are lots of different forms of protein that not everyone can have. So I think it's obviously it's individualized. If you have certain health conditions, there are certain ways in which you have to eat or you can't eat. Right. Um, but to the spirituality thing in terms of talking about the demonization of um, spiritual practices. First of all, Chumake and I were on a, um, a course the other day about Yoruba Ifa. And one of the things I remember them talking about, and I know this from even some of the traditions that are from one of the cultures that I'm from, is that you don't, you're not just sacrificing animals every day willy-nilly. Like to right. sacrifice an, any kind of living thing has to be a major deal. Like it's not like you're just, oh, today, you know, Lord, I'd like some 20 pounds. So let me go and kill this goat. Like it's, that's not right, right, <laughs> how right, it works. Right, right. And so even the, I, the comparison to battery farming and all of that isn't even, it's not, it's, it's, it's a false equivalency. It's a false equivalency. It's a false equivalency. Like it doesn't, that, that doesn't, yeah, it's not possible. Um, 
but also yeah the demonization of our own traditions right like we talk about right. even if you look at idol the idea oh no they're worshiping idols they're pagans i'm sorry what is that cross thing that's in your church what is that what is that picture and that christmas what, tree graven, what is that christmas listen there are so idolic. many things you're lighting candles i thought that was something that only people who did like spiritual practices that weren't christian did you know those kinds of things and the In, reason invocation people, of the holy ghost don't get me started. thank you and and yeah you're, you're being possessed by something is that why you're speaking tongues like the we forget the we forget the origins of some of um the religions we have but then we also forget the um i guess i, I want to call it importation of our indigenous practices into right. the colonized religions right there are things that we believed that we did not let go of but you kind of got mixed in with what was kind of imposed on us and so even the idea of um being in the spirit isn't something that is in traditional kind of colonizer Christianity that the the the, the process they through stole it you know, from us. yeah but even shouting the idea of shouting the idea of oh the spirit coming on top of you and you you not being able to control your body and all of that that is something that comes from our indigenous spiritual practices that is not something that comes from their christianity and so we go oh no but that's okay in our church but don't call it something else don't use a name that's not jesus so if you right. use a name that's not jesus for this very same thing or if you no, use, damn then well no episcopalians are speaking in tongues okay so speaking and of so, battery yeah. farming i have to jump ahead because this is my second to last question battery farming when you kept saying battery farming i just kept thinking about sex and so i wanted to know <laughs> what? don't ask me about my associations mind yours right so when i think about battery farming i think about sex and so something that i have always struggled with is as as a disabled person like how to have sex and have a conversation about how my abilities show up right and so like um someone put their cell phone on my shoulder the other day i it was it was an innocuous thing but i had Wait, as though you were a table? Yes. <laughs> okay. Walk it, me through the process. So I was getting fucked from behind or whatever, right? Oh, and okay. so like, well, Jamoka wanted to know that about the process. So I was getting fucked from behind and the person reached over for their phone real quick and was like, hold up, I got to take this call. And use the back part. And I was just like, you have to, and I didn't want to let the person on the phone know what was happening. But I was like, I went like this to the Get off. That's ah! fair. That's fair. Thank you. Okay. So I, I felt like I overreacted. Here I am, penis full full on or whatever. But no, this is not an overreaction. I have to take it was this a, cool. I, anyway, well, cool. I, I often answer my Facebook when I'm in the throes of passion. You know? So anyways, this is not about me. This is about us, right? <laughs> so how hard is it how hard is it or how easy it is or what what kind of barriers do you have dating as a disabled black femme you know like is it the blackness that comes up is it is it the strong black woman trope is it is it the femme identity is it disability is it stature is it you know like what what because i feel like no one is happy in love when you have as many intersections as we do I, I don't I don't have anything positive to say. So Jamoke, do you have any good uh... My uterus just dropped. 
Uterus just dropped. Dee Dee, I've got my period. No, I've got my period. Back up and put it where it's supposed to be. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Um, Well, I mean, I mean, you've heard my stories, Kim. I don't know if I have any positive ones. I have funny ones. Yeah. I think what the thing, the thing about it is, is that we talk about this all the time, is that at different times, your different intersections are going to be at the fore. And for dating, I don't know, for me, um, my fat black disabledness is the thing that's at the foremost of the time, right? Um, and, and I guess the, the, my skin being slightly darker than um, the average, um, or not the average, the desired um, black woman, right? Um, and I, I think- talk about colorism. Yeah, and it's it's true. That's that's something that's very real. And also my features, phenotype is very important too. Like my features are very bulbous. You cannot, I'm not ambiguous in kind of the feature region. There's no way you could change my skin out and be like, hmm, she could be, you know, there's no, it would never happen. You'd be like, oh, that's just an albino black person. If, I, if you gave me white skin, you'd be like, what? no, but they're still black. I'm listening. They're still black. Do you know what I mean? because my lips, my nose, like the shape of my face, where my forehead is and all of that kind of stuff. So that very much affects the way people, like the desirability, especially in a place like England, it's an island. And the ideas of beauty here will be um, very much, quite narrow. Um, It's obviously whiteness is the top, as we know, like that's most of the time how it is in places like this but the types of whiteness, there are kind of, there are grades. And then if you add um, fatness to it, if you add my height to it, if you add the phenotype and the skin color and my hair texture, um, or like the hair, t- the way I wear my hair, even right. if we, you know, that you will wear your hair to, naturally. Yes. And that is not necessarily something that is, it's quaint um, for some people. It's like, oh, they might say, oh yeah, I like a girl who's natural. But what they mean by natural is, you know, where they, the airbrushed women with the Afro wigs that are like this big and like, uh, and the my noses. yeah, right, they, they right. want that kind of, um, they, I'm not even a Marana La Negra. No, that those coils might be too tight. Like they're too, kind of 70s they need something a bit looser a bit more like ambiguous i might be not do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um especially if you're going to be dark skin those, Cherokee. Yeah, those those curls not better be loose <laughs> i knew you was um, mixed girl <laughs> yeah exactly like oh what are you mixed with like especially if, if i say that i'm from the caribbean like people will be like oh yeah oh, then it's 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 interesting it's, because it's then you might not bit. be right, black right, yeah right right um but it's for me, I find that the disability is a huge thing, especially in the black community. I only date black people um, because why torture myself? Um, but then it's again, it's it's kind of like. Do you mm, date men? Is what I really want to know. I date men. I I date. Why are we people, doing this? Anyone? I date anyone, and no, I and I, 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 I agree and I you. realize that dating men is almost like shooting myself in the face on purpose daily and talking to them is like shooting myself in the toes uh continuously with a machine gun like that's literally what it's like dealing with them and so i i understand that perhaps i'm a masochist on some level Mm. because i keep entering these interactions like oh maybe maybe not perhaps they might be different but no that it is 
it is a an issue and i think something happens when you're disabled right people um and when you're visibly disabled especially so when i i used to have an invisible disability ms used to be invisible for me but when people found out about it it automatically changed their interaction with me but now i don't necessarily get to go through that process of let me pretend and then maybe i'll reveal now it's like they know they see beforehand so you might get people who fetishize you because it's like oh yeah I've never, one of the things they said to you, oh, I've never had sex with someone in a wheelchair before. It's like, I am not connected to the wheelchair. You realize that. Um, <laughs> but the, the other thing they will say is like, you know, um, the other thing that it becomes is, so other than that kind of fetishization thing, sometimes it's like, oh, no one else will want you. Therefore, I... I'm coming along with whatever BS that I'm coming along with. You should eat it up because no, you are the bottom of the barrel. You know that you're the bottom of the barrel. I know that you're the bottom of the barrel. So therefore, you, you should willingly accept. What the fuck? <laughs> no, is, seriously, this... watch my live from yesterday. I verbatim, what you just said is what the nigga was saying to me on a couch while I was live. Like, I mean... <laughs> No decorum, no decorum. Not, not, no, but, that, but you don't get, you don't get to, you don't get to have people be kind and considerate to you in the ways that they would be if they were trying to woo a woman who they did not consider to be less than. You don't get to have that. Even as a fat woman, you don't get to have that sometimes. And then you add disability to it. It's like that there is the filter that exists for them in situations where they feel they have something to lose, where they feel that they're, they are gaining something from the interaction and that they're not the person in the complete, complete power position. Right. You don't get that filter. That, that filter has disappeared for them. Like they, because there's a certain level of um, dehumanization that takes place in, in, in the way that they view it. It's, it's almost like, I, and the thing is, like, it's a very difficult thing to describe. You know, people can love um, their pets, but they don't necessarily see their pets as having full, fully fledged range of emotions. It's like, oh, no, you're, I know that you, I feed you and you're kind, you're nice to me when I feed you and all this kind of stuff. But they don't like, oh, they don't think their pets necessarily experience like irritation sometimes or they might right. be like oh they're, they're angry it's very simplistic the ways in which right. they view it so they might not temper their tone when they're upset when their pet is in the room they won't be like oh how is my mood going to affect my pet they don't do that and it's almost like a similar thing that goes on so it's not completely that um they don't think you have feelings no but it's just that your feelings don't really count they're not the same as mine because you're not right. the same as me do you know what i mean like you're not the same as these other real women who right. exist who I have something to gain from or who I feel like I'd be losing something if I didn't um, comport myself with decorum if I didn't have decorum if I didn't have charm if I didn't have um, consideration if I didn't you know think before I <laughs> before I spoke and and I think that's what goes on and so it's in a lot of dating situations you're not going to get 
um, the creme de la creme of treatment. You're not going to get wooed. You're not going to get, people are going to get straight to the point, you know? Um, yeah, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now. Even if they said they were looking for a relationship before they found out you had a disability, <laughs> all of a sudden it turns into, you know, I'm just looking for something casual. Um, can I come to your house? It's not going right. to be, let's go anywhere. It's going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm just thinking of chilling and right. that thing. And actually, you know, it's, similar to what sometimes um black trans women go through as well right we've spoken to a f well i've spoken to a few and we spoke to um diamond diamond styles, styles the other day and you Yo, know me it, and el hearns have this conversation i'm here for it me and el yeah. have this conversation often about how there is similarity between well we haven't talked about being disabled but there's similarity between fat girls and trans women like you know what i'm saying mm. like you know, in the sense that we're the hidden, we're the undesirables, yes. right? But yeah. I had not considered it also from that triple, that triple cripple uh, visionary, you know, when we talk about uh, disability. Yeah. Because also, I think the thing that what makes disability um, even more apparent in terms of the, the treatment is the fact that we are hidden and forgotten in all areas of society even when we're to any black liberation, even that goes on, because I only really care about black people in that way, like any black liberation that goes on, like we're not ever really part of those conversations, whether it's right. trans, whether it's um, women's liberation, whether it's to do with black men, like disabled people, like you don't hear anyone say, yeah, and our disabled brothers and sisters, like we're not, when, even for the people who have had disabilities that are affected by police brutality, people very rarely mention their disabilities. Like it's very rarely, we don't talk about the fact that a lot of people who are affected, um, if not most are by police brutality and violence have disabilities, we don't talk about that. And so in that sense, that kind of erasure of us completely adds to and makes it worse. So we experience higher rates of domestic violence and right. um, sexual abuse and all that stuff. But no one, when we're, we're even erased from the things that we are at the front of, if that makes sense in terms right. of being affected by. And so, yeah, of course that's gonna translate into dating. Of course that's gonna, that's gonna directly translate into that because I'm not even supposed to exist. And so- It's not, if you're not sexy for disabled people to exist. No, exactly. So, of course, the dregs of society what? is where, like, my, is what my dating pool is supposed to be. And if I refuse for that to be, then that's what why yeah, I'm still single. To... I feel, I feel like I'm talking to a mirror. I feel like this is the conversation I have with myself often. My best friend, I haven't seen her in two weeks, bought me flowers, and I like right before this episode, and mm. I broke out in tears, like tears like and she was like what the fuck is wrong with you and I was just like all the sex I've been giving away if this is the romance I get <laughs> you know what I'm saying like the fact that our our friendships with one another especially amongst black femmes is actually more forgiving and actually more full of romance than the actual people we bump the uglies with you know what I'm saying like and I just don't understand I mean I understand it I'm not supposed to be here. I understand it that at 280 pounds, I'm not supposed to be like, and yeah, I get on top. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not supposed to be involved in any of that shit. And yeah. it's hard 
living out loud. I love what y'all say about how you live your lives unapologetically. It is hard being both bridge and human. It is hard being unapologetic and feeling like you have to apologize for how you've landed. And I'm not going to cry again. So Mm. just like shut the fuck up she's like please don't uh, but I just want to say like thank y'all so much my absolute last question is a question I ask all of my guests I'm like I'm literally getting emotional um it's a question I ask all of my guests um it's a two-pronged question because as both of you are complicated I am also complicated what if anything did we leave out of today's conversation i know i'm supposed to be the host there was all sorts of technical issues and we lost some time but is there anything that y'all are like oh shit dd even bring this up dd went off script a long time ago dd like you know what i'm saying like is there anything that you would want um, my following to know um and then the second part is if you watch the show or don't watch the show it doesn't really matter this is episode number 64 so woo -woo. But is there anyone you would like to hear from? Like, is there anyone you would like to um, be like, okay, maybe you should interview this person? Because that's, I've been, I've been running this podcast like a Mary Kay production. You know, I've been selling hotcakes out the back of my car, like just trying to get everybody and their moms on here. So. Jamal Kerr? Jamal Kerr's oh. like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> What was the first question? Nigga, I don't know. Um, so, like, was there anything that I what left out of the conversation? Well, I mean, you can't cover everything because, I mean, this is such a rich source. This is such a rich and thick and full vein that you can tap. But what I will say, and um, something we often discuss, is that um, it is within the margins. Um, it is those that have been most marginalized, raised, forgotten, just generally ignored, that you can get the true richness of life's experience. So get to the true marrow of what it means to be human. So when we consider those that are disabled, those that are trans, those that are fat, those that are everything that white supremacy has um, campaigned and continued to campaign as the mm -hmm. other, those are the spaces, the places and the faces that we should revere and look to learn from. Right. Because with the way that the entire world has been set up, it's really rather hegemonic. It's like, this is what you should aspire to. Right. And it doesn't matter if you're um, in Europe, if you're in uh, North America, it doesn't matter wherever you are. It's like, this is what you should aspire to. And so much color, so much vividness, so much delight is being lost because we've been told to aspire to this one thing that is frankly dull, boring, and just violent for the sake of violence. Yeah. And um, I will say, reach out to those that live life unlike you. Yeah. And, um, and, and don't make it weird. It's like, hey, you're trans, right? Cool, let's have a conversation. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, you'll get a left and you will deserve that left. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, 
but it's just like rage against the white supremacist, capitalist, ableist, racist piece of shit machine mm. because you're missing out on so much. And so many lives and stories are lost when we're all aspiring to be one thing. Because first of all, you're never going to fucking get there. A lot of white people can't fucking get there. Too many of them are fat. Too many of them are trans. Too many of them are disabled. Like, they also right. don't meet this impossible standard, right? So fuck all that noise. Um, yeah, like, don't discount. Yeah, don't. What I will say is, like, don't discount those that have been continuously discounted because you are actually um, losing out. And when you're trying to get to the marrow of what the human experience actually is, pay for it. Right. Don't try and get it subsidized. Don't try and get it for cheap. Don't try and get it for free. Pay for it because like these lived experiences, like people have had to go through trauma. Like a lot right. of these um, lived experiences, this learning, this knowledge, it comes from trauma that it's at the hands of oftentimes people that are their bosses, that are their teachers, that are um, the police that just won't leave them alone. Um, so yeah, and that's literally, you know, like why we created um, the Triple Cripples because so, so much is lost, so much is, um, and it's not even that people realize that something is being lost because they don't consider it something worthy. It's like, oh, I've lost something. It's like, I haven't lost anything, you know? It hasn't right. yet, yeah, it hasn't yet been valued. So um, we're creating, I mean, we have created it and continue to create it for those um, that have so much to give and just um, encouraging them to be themselves, to live out loud, like, space has been carved for you will continue to be carved mm. for you and we are very aware that we're standing you know on the shoulders of giants that have you know paved this path for us before and we're just trying to continue it a little bit further with the time that we we have yeah and that's it that's all you. i gotta say no thank you that's all you had to say that was profound <laughs> what the fuck that's all i have to say you get my friend. in it in it, yes, in it, in it Twitter. <laughs> in it, Brexit in Twitter, that's all I know about. I'm sorry. Ah, yeah, yeah, stop, stop, stop. Not, that, that I haven't done better. That I haven't done better. That wound is still fresh. That wound is still fresh. Hey, fresh. We need yeah. an Osband, all of us. Yeah. Osband. Osband. Come on, let, let the Niger out. I need a new, I need a new Osband. That's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> Three, get one. Yes, one yes, for yes. each, one for each month. I think mm. that'll be good. Listen, I have one when you can have them all. That's what that's what I say. Yeah, man. Harim things. That's what I just know, don't think. I don't think. Yeah, her. I don't think dudes are capable of. Of I don't think they're right now at a state of state, place of evolution where they can fulfill all the needs it's of one unsafe. woman. Like, it's unsafe. Yes. Yeah. We had a moment of silence for all the niggas that lost it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys aren't making it but yeah it's it's been a pleasure to be here and kind Thank of you. even though we're um a sleepy delirious right now <laughs> mine comes out in hyperactivity jamal comes out in like i like very nonchalant listen let me just get to the point my friend <laughs> right, right, right. um but yeah it's it's been a pleasure to be here and i think just also just to talk you know um it's so important that we have these types of conversations especially these cross-border conversations um because 
there are so many, there are more lines that join us than divide us. And actually from my fight, there are things that you'll be able to use for your fight. And from your fight, there'll be things I'll be able to use for my fight. And actually, if all of us, listen, we are a global diaspora, right? Mm. We like to think in the terms of borders and kind of flags and all of that. None of that shit is real. None of it is real. None of it. So it's important that we connect with each other and make sure that we are aware of the needs that we all have so that we can be making the world a better place for us. We are the world majority, FYI. So we need to know what we need. We need to know what's going on with us around the globe, not just what's going on within our borders. Like it's so important because that also gives us a handle on, look, look, you're dealing with this giant machine of white supremacy. They're not just dealing blows in North America. They're dealing blows around the globe. Now, if you're saying you're trying to fight an enemy, why are you only looking at their left toe, please? You have to look at their entire body. You have to know what they're doing, which direction they're running in, what they're doing. You have to be looking at their body language, listening to their language, what their speech patterns. You have to be observing what are they reading? What are they, you have to know them in order to be able to fight them. And you can't know them from the little Mm -hmm. toe they're showing you. You can't. So we have to talk, we have to connect. And we also have to understand that what we are experiencing may not be the be all and end all to this machine it will be manifesting in lots of different ways in different places. And we have to be open to understanding how it's manifesting there and not doing kind of like hierarchical things, but being like, okay, so it operates in all of these different ways. Okay. So now I understand it a bit better and now we can do A, B or C and kind of being open to that. It's very easy to hold on to your struggle as the only struggle that matters and the only one that should be taking precedence and it's like no look in order to understand your struggle better it's it's even better if you understand how it fits into a global context right because we we are the globe and so yeah we have to connect and we have to love each other i knew jamoke was gonna go start singing I felt mm, it. I felt we are it. The world Delirious is better. where we've okay. landed, y'all. <laughs> but Ada has joined you with the fucking hand wave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what I will say, just one thing, just to add on real quick, what you were talking about, um, the romance that you get from your friends, uh, yeah. femme relationships. I think um, not enough emphasis, I would say this, not enough emphasis yeah. is um, put on that because there is so much love to be yeah. found outside of the romantic, outside yes. of this is a person that I'm in yeah. a sexual relation, coupley sort of relationship with, like mm. those that actually bring you flowers that, you know, you can call them up and just have a conversation that lasts for five minutes or for five hours and you're not bored of each other like that is love and that's where you should really ground yourself in because if you leave it to some of these cats out here i mean you will get fucked yeah and also why phone on your shoulder you exactly but yeah, Money. So, but yeah, yeah, and it's also like, why do we place so much emphasis on romantic love, right? We have to think about why we do that. Why do we place so much from an emphasis on it? And, and if we do place so much emphasis on it, why does it get to be less than our non-romantic 
relationships? Why do we not place for, the same demand? Pardon? Sorry. And the thing that we yearn for, like, even though we have so yeah. much to be grateful for yeah. with our friendships and the romance that we experience there, for some reason, when we attach romance and, and, and sexual proclivity to uh, this desire for mm. being in romance, you know, it mm. kind of, we kind of associate it with our self-worth, you know? And and that's some of that is programming. We have to be honest about that. Some of that yeah, is programming. Some of that's the way we're programmed. But we, if we're going to be conscious about it, we have to say, okay, cool. I, even if you want to place that emphasis on romantic interactions, it should not be less than the interaction quality. Mm. Should not be less than your non-romantic interactions. If someone isn't coming equal or better than your friendships if you're not able to be as open with them if you're not able to feel as loved and appreciated and centered if you're not able to have a safe space where you can converse and all of that kind of stuff that we expect from our friends if you can't, can't expect the loyalty and openness and trustworthiness and the kind of laughter and sharing of ideals and that relaxedness if you can't have any of that stuff is it a romantic interaction what what it 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 should have it's supposed to be something that enhances it's supposed to be it's it's sold as this level above right so then it should be all of this and more Plus. not just right. this then it's not then it's not more than this if if all you're getting it from it is this empty hollow kind of okay we're having Benny. sex but everything else is trash then we really have to be like are we being, is this a scam? Like, it's a scam then, it's just a scam and you don't want it right. to be a scam. So therefore, and the thing is, dudes keep getting away with giving us scams because we aren't demanding from them the same quality of relationship that we demand. Listen, if, we were, if everyone was demanding the same quality of relationship that we demand from our friendships, the same standards, listen, Ooh. you know there was a way Ooh, that some like of us- friends, Yes, no. We're not demanding, if everyone were demanding those standards, if everyone was demanding those standards, these men would be out here begging. They would be out here begging because no one would be interacting with them because they hadn't developed themselves to a point where they were centering others, to a point where they were able to sustain conversations, to the point where they were able to see you beyond your value to them, beyond your use to them. It would be What's a the first time different... you said no to a man and meant it? Oh, I've been saying no, to and I mean that every single time. <laughs> Jamaquette is the and do you know Jimmy taught me a lot? I and okay. though I we know need to have a stuff. session then. We need to have a session. Just ask me, like when I will. You know I got crochet right, and when he said, when, when he said, "Can I borrow some money?" I had this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like, what is the price this month? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because every single man I've ever dated has always been on some "Can I borrow some money?" shit. And so I thought it was going to be like a, an ask of 50, 60 bucks or whatever. This nigga say $500. I felt like Peppa Pig, like click, like, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was so proud of myself. One time you were out of there. And I said, I said, no, I said, what are you, are you wild? I said, today is the first, my full rent. I'm a single mom, regardless of what you think of my platform, my rent is due today. 
my husband is a whole immigrant here on a student visa. Like, no, I cannot, I cannot give you 500. Are you wild? Are you, are you listening to yourself right now? And sometimes I just want to be a respectable monogamous married woman, but that's just not who I am. (laughs) And you don't have to be, you don't have to be (laughs) like you, you set the terms and conditions of like every single interaction that you have. And Mm -hmm. my thing is just kind of like, if you're just trying to get your phallic needs met, that is absolutely okay. (laughs) But it's just a case of like, everybody needs to know what the frigate is like at the beginning. Like, don't ask me for no $500. When, I was like, in yen? Like, are like, you lost? Do you want it in Cuban pesos? Like, what? No, pesos gave you a stop. But it's just a case of, yeah, as long as everybody knows the rules of engagement, because people, especially people of the musquiline persuasion, will try to get as much out of you as possible. And they've been raised to get as much out of you as I possible. I agree. With so that. you need to pepper pig, click. The number you have dialed is not been so much was expecting me to say yes that when I said my rent is due on a third. You didn't like, even need to do DD. He said no. He was like, "I'll get that. it back no. to you before then." I was like, "No, no, no. You heard, you misheard the no. Like not, I you oh, get it back." See? The thing you is, Jamaica is too direct. Some, my father says this thing to me, right? He says, um, <laughs> "People, people." people don't always need to know what it is that you're feeling or that you're thinking, right? Mm. You could have just, sometimes as well, like in that situation, and Jamoke, you know me, I was in that situation not long ago. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for true. being honest, because I think I that people that. think, you know, it doesn't happen to everybody. No, 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 I, no trust me, I've been I in, that in that situation, situation too. <clears throat> and, um, yeah one of the ways of dealing with it because the thing is these dudes are they're slick all the time and one of the things i've realized is that i'm not, i'm not going to allow you to make me a villain in this story so here's what i'm going to do so there are two there are two things that i thought of doing the first one was like oh uh, you know oh yeah sure let me write you a contract i'm going to send you a contract for me loaning you this money and then if you sign it and get it back to me um then we can proceed nine times out of ten someone's not going to pursue not going to carry on that interaction they'll be like sign but because a lot of these dudes are like <laughs> contract yeah exactly <laughs> but the other way is to be like oh my god i really wish i could you know i would give it to you if i could but right now i'm just so low oh i wish you'd asked me yesterday because then i could have given it to you and do all the all of the sweet, i like this manipulation what they, have i been doing yeah. this whole time listen no because that's what they do but you're just doing to that's them what, what they're, they're doing, doing to you, to you. that's you exactly what they're doing energy. to you you're, you're just matching energy. their energy and this they is, don't this they is don't. big femme energy right now so thank you very yeah. much thank you <laughs> you're just matching the energy it's like and then they come away like oh no man because it 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 triggers something in this i don't know this masculinity thing in them to be like oh she's so she's so down she would have done it if blah 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 meanwhile you yourself you know, you necessarily that was not the case, but the, like, because they respond to nonsense, you right. give them the nonsense, let them eat it, enjoy. They come back next time. Oh, babes, oh, I wish I could have. 
oh, you just, oh, it's the second time. I feel so bad. You don't feel bad. Oh, I feel so bad. I wish I could really help you out. How much is it? Oh, and then check in on them. Find out if they managed to borrow the money from somewhere. Right. It's really good. It's helpful. I might Kim is a wonderful because I can a... book you in for some classes. <laughs> no, seriously, I'll pay you. Look, I, that $500 that I should have given, almost should have given. $500? <laughs> I felt like you remember I don't know like y'all watch American commercials when they'd be like New York City <laughs> from the pace commercials <laughs> like, I, I felt like fucking soldier boy when he was like drink <laughs> oh I love that and then he gets up out of the chair what and Listen, he was so, so the thing was, he was so genuine. And I'm like, you just got finished telling me that some girl want to take you on a trip to uh, No, Montego but that's Bay. the thing. So, they are so genuine. So you also have to be so genuine. genuine. Yeah. Oh, you're so romantic. Thank you. You need to okay. be genuine. All right. Yeah. Y'all, thank it's a, y'all it's so a wild much. Thing. This, was, this was so dope. And I feel like I, you know. Y'all don't even know my life. But thank you so much. Thank you for being on this episode of The Full Set. I appreciate y'all coming out of your beds to come chat with me across the pond. So thank you. Thank you. You've all been welcome. I'm going to continue wearing these sunglasses at night. These were actually actually to protect my eyes from the light, and I forgot. And so now this whole I shall time, return. We were just out yeah. here being bug-eyed for no reason. <laughs> yeah, no. It, all this time, I could have been looking cool and cute. And really, you were looking cool and cute, but you always look so. cool and I cute. So. All right.